0: American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. All right. It's Wednesday, everybody. Welcome. Um, Just a couple of follow up things here regarding the America's Frontline Doctors Conference. There were a couple of points that I wanted to make again that uh, uh, slipped my mind the last time that I was discussing what had occurred and what I had witnessed and again what I heard. One of the more, I would say, disappointing parts too was the fact that behind the speakers they had a giant screen and again while the PowerPoint presentations were solid and they were solid uh, it, it seemed like an even bigger opportunity to show video and one of the subjects that was never brought up not once that I heard nor was it even a part of the program was the magnetism aspect of what's occurred with people who have taken these shots and how the graphene oxide is part of that magnetism, and all of the videos that countless people have seen, uh, firsthand or otherwise, of individuals sticking metal objects to themselves, whether it be cell phones to their chests or arms at at the site of the injection, magnets on their faces, whatever it may be, that subject wasn't even brought up. And again, that is alarming to me because it I think it just continues to prove that there is a line that the America's frontline doctors don't want to cross. There's only so much information that they want to provide. It would seem like it would be a relatively easy thing for them to test. Again, they all have practices of their own for the most part. Why wouldn't they simply ask an individual who's taken the jabs, "Hey, let me you know, let me see if I can take one of these magnets and it will stick to you or not?" seems like something that they could do on their own at any time but again it wasn't brought up not i mean it wasn't brought up once and again to my knowledge again i was i was there for the entire thing for the most part although i didn't make my way back into the medical room at the end of the day um, but there were no videos i didn't see any videos playing of anything of of people talking about again their experiences or again even the magnetism videos which are everywhere they're all over bitchute they're all over telegram they're all over gab Um, and I, and I would say this too, that this was one of the sort of uh, last examples is that they were commenting consistently about YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram and how they're getting kicked off of, or, or their posts will get flagged on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, I, I hate to break it to them, but being on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at this stage of the game shows that you are behind the curve a little bit because most people aren't there anymore. We're getting information out other ways. Gab, Telegram, BitChute, Rumble. These these are these are platforms people are using. No one's getting kicked off of Gab. People have commented on Telegram and they've said, well, you know, they've lost some subscribers or their subscribers have, have remained stagnant, which seems odd to them for one reason or another. Um, No complaints from BitChute whatsoever that I've heard I've heard some complaints about Rumble from time to time But the videos on Rumble, again, they're solid And it depends on who you follow and what you're watching XYZ But again, complaining about being censored on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram I think shows a larger lack of understanding the bigger picture That that was occurring, that that censorship was occurring a long time ago Multiple years ago that was occurring. Not a new thing. And so I would just encourage them and anybody else to get off of those platforms and move over to Gab, um, Telegram, XYZ. I mean, it, it, these are the places where, and, and bit shoot, but these are the places where people are posting information without trouble, without any censorship whatsoever. Now, with that censorship piece stated, this also needs to be stated because this is one of the things that's been talked about at length by countless people, and it's probably going to happen one way or another, but there's been a lot of chatter about internet shutdown and there being an internet shutdown, that people aren't going to be, at, be able to access any social media whatsoever. They're not going to be able to access the internet at all whatsoever, that there's some kind of an internet kill switch that exists, and that in the future that may end up being the case. Um, in particular if Donald Trump gets back in, which we all assume is going to happen. Um, Again, with that said, as far as this little podcast is concerned, if there's no internet, then of course I can't post anything. So don't let that surprise you if that ends up being a thing. Because again, an internet kill switch is one of those things that's been talked about for a very, very long time, numerous years as a matter of fact, throughout the entire uh, Trump administration. And even more so now, and the closer that the audit business gets handled, um, and and starts to move in a more positive direction as it already is, that that's kind of one, one you know one of the many last plays, along with you know false flags and other stuff like that. But I just wanted to mention that as well. Here, here's here's one last comment uh, on the AFLDS conference, and it was an interesting thing that Dr. Merritt brought up. And again, it, it was when they brought this up in passing. But they mentioned that they had been shed on, and I don't think I mentioned this the last time. But they said that low dose ivermectin was a better option than just hydroxychloroquine. So the the input or the or and I don't even think it's literature at this point. Maybe maybe it hasn't made it made its way to, to to that, and it may never. But that kind of information again is is remarkably important when. You have individuals recording what's happening to them, and then they say, hey, look, low-dose ivermectin seemed to get rid of uh, the ill effects of being transmitted on by people who have taken the jabs, and at least that that was Dr. Merritt's suggestion. So something to think about without a doubt, and again, if you're ever interested in staying ahead of the curve on what's going on medically speaking with all of this, uh, I highly recommend including positive aspects of of detoxifying your body in XYZ. I highly recommend the the Rumble channel critical thinking. It has the five docs. they refer to themselves as the five docs. As far as I'm concerned, that's the tip of the spear when it comes to what's going on medically um, with with countless things regarding the jabs. and but again, it's not all negative stuff either. it's It's a lot of positive detoxification. For example, um, Dr. Carrie Mate brought up how she will detoxify her body and it, and it works, but she said that she'll put, she'll draw a bath for herself and then put a, uh, a cup of Clorox bleach, Clorox brand bleach into, uh, into the tub and then soak in it. She says it, 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 it works. She said she would never suggest such a thing if she knew that it didn't work. Um, She's read a lot about it. She's done it countless times. She said sometimes she'll put two cups of Clorox bleach. Again, it's Clorox brand bleach into a hot tub um, or or a bathtub with, with warm water and then soak in it. So again, countless options. Same thing. I've heard the same thing with dandelion root and dandelion leaves and et cetera, et cetera. So there's lots of more natural ways to detoxify the body in a healthy way. Instead of running to a doctor and saying, hey, give me all these shots, give me all these pills. And uh, they they also brought up in one of their more recent episodes that the average American is taking six prescription drugs on a day-in and day-out basis. That's the average American. I mean, my God. It's it's frightening. Okay, so shifting gears here. Universities. This is a story that I'm going to read through, and this comes from activistpost.com and I placed this on Gab, but this has to be reviewed here. Um, it's titled CDC Universities Are Paying Students to Be Vaccine Influencers. So this right here, ladies and gentlemen, is, is the next divisive move that's going to be taking place come August and uh, September when the universities open back up and only the sheeple are the ones that are returning. This is really going to be problematic. You're going to have the jabbed pressuring and getting paid to pressure the unjabbed to get jabbed. It's like, uh, I mean, it's it's groundwork, satanic activism, and it's, it's just, it's awful. So this is written by Caitlin Richardson, and I'm just going to rock through it. It says, quote, students can become paid COVID vaccine influencers through a new student social media engagement campaign program. The campaign recruits students to combat vaccine misinformation and build vaccine confidence within their campus communities through TikTok, Instagram, and other platforms. See those those platforms right there? Those are the platforms that the enemy is using. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, etc. I mean, there has to be a, I don't know. The, the battle lines have been drawn here as to where people are getting their information and what's being allowed on those platforms and what's not. Okay, continuing. It says, in partnership with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the American College Health Association, and the Youth Marketing Connection, universities are promoting paid internships for students who push COVID vaccines. There's that word COVID again. My God. Students chosen... For the student social media engagement campaign program will act as influencers who, quote, combat vaccine misinformation and build vaccine confidence within their campus communities, unquote. The program launched in June 2021 will continue through the fall semester. Each student influencer will receive a cash stipend, according to a July 8th announcement put out by the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, UNLV. Job requirements include promoting the vaccine by sharing information on Instagram and TikTok, advocating for the ACHA's COVAC initiative, and leading, quote, digital outreach efforts to increase vaccine confidence among peers, unquote. Students are also expected to provide updates on campus COVID-19 vaccine attitudes. This is brown shirt stuff. That's what this is. This is the goon squad. You have you have brainwashed students now rolling around campuses pumping this propaganda into people's faces. It's inevitable you're going to have conflict. These groups will approach the unjabbed and the unjabbed aren't going to take it. Nor should they. I'm telling you right now You're going to start seeing this on film. You're going to see this on cell phone videos of this actually happening. And I've said it in the past. These are the tables that need to be flipped. These are the kinds of tables that have got to be flipped. When these people are showing up and they've got their information and they've got their pamphlets and whatever, I'm not telling people to be violent, but my God, don't take it. I mean, don't sit there and listen to them. Tell them what they have done. Throw the facts back at them. Scare them with the truth. That would be a very interesting thing to occur. It continues. It says, quote, the student social media engagement campaign is a part of the ACHA's broader COVAC initiative, which is designed to increase campus vaccinations and include $3,000 mini grants for colleges that want to implement marketing for the vaccine. It's not a vaccine. Many campuses across the country have already mandated the vaccine for fall semester. Oh, we know. We know. Uh Uh-oh. Here comes the University of Cincinnati. Uh, The CHA did not respond to campus reform's request for information on how internships are funded or on what other schools are participating. I bet they didn't respond to campus reform. Aside from UNLV, UC Cincinnati also announced its participation in the program when it highlighted a student ambassador on its website. Similar student influencer efforts have been independently sponsored by other universities. In fall 2020, the University of Missouri hired five students to become campus influencers for COVID-19 safety. Blood is on their hands, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, wow. It continues, the university paid Canadian company Glacier $10,300 to run the project, according to Columbia Missourian. The University of Miami, likewise, hired 75 students in fall 2020 to serve as public health ambassadors, strategically placing them in high-traffic areas of campus to encourage peers to follow social distancing and masking. The practice, one student told News at the U., was highly effective. Quote, we are becoming recognized now by our shirts. See, they even wear shirts. Are they brown? I wonder. They continued, they said, so when they see me approach, I don't even have to tell someone to do something, they automatically see me and they'll fix their mask or something. Unquote. UM senior Camille told News at the U. Campus Reform reached out to the CDC, ACHA, YMC, and UNLV for comment, but did not receive a response in time for publication. I bet they didn't receive a response. They're not going to. They know Campus Reform is the enemy. That's unquote, by the way. Uh, That's the end of the article. Yeah, don't expect the enemy to reply to you, but they're actually giving them shirts, and they're actually having these people... These goon squads show up and and, and roam around campus and approach people who aren't wearing masks appropriately to intimidate people to do the same. How much more evidence do we need? These people have to be destroyed. It's that simple. There have to be people that organize and push back against these brown-shirted communists and Bolsheviks it, it, it just has to happen. Yes, you can leave these campuses. I highly recommend it. Yes, don't enroll your children in K 12 schools that are doing the same thing, which, by the way, I did hear this, and it was, I believe, at the AFLDS conference that they are, that, that the, the business of the jab buses that I've been bringing up on this podcast is not only a real thing, but they're already planning it. That these K 12 schools in America are going to have jab buses that show up while parents aren't around, and encouraging people to get the jabs during the school day so they can get out of class, jump on the bus, get jabbed, and then stumble out of the bus, land on their face, and then it's game over for them, whether they know it or not. I, I hate to be repetitive, but I just can't think of a more unhealthy environment. I really I really can't. Um, here's a piece of audio I wanted to play of... Mika Brzezinski, that psychopath, and uh, her her murderer husband, uh, Joe Scarborough. I'm sure it was an accident. Not really. Uh, and what are they doing? Well, simple. They're telling teachers and cops and you name it to get the jabs. Because if they don't, then they're hurting people.
1: Uh, much greater at stake now, and that is, again, keeping... America open in the fall, keeping our schools open in the fall. It's time for Joe Biden, it's time for Democrats, it's time for serious Republicans to start ignoring the ground noise and start focusing on the signal. And the signal is this, if you're a school teacher, if you're a nurse, if you're a cop, You need to get vaccinated. And if you don't, you need to look for another job.
0: Now, you're a smart audience. You're a smart audience. I know you are 100%. Did you hear what he said? And can you connect those dots? So let's think just a little more dimensionally about this here. He knows what the script is. Mika Brzezinski's uh, father was a monster. He was a monster, and that's putting it mildly. But they know what the script is, and they're telling you that they know what the script is. See, now they're setting the table, just with that small little audio, they're setting the table because they know that schools will be closed in the future because the script says that they need to blame the unjabbed as to why schools are going to be closed in the future. People are going to start getting sick, deathly ill. They're not going to be able to staff these buildings. I've said it a million times. But now they're setting it up. Even again, with that small little audio clip, that's what they're saying. They're covering all their bases here. And they're basically saying, hey... We need to keep schools open. We need to keep these hospitals open. We need to keep everything open. And if they close, well, it's going to be the unjabbed's fault. It's going to be your fault. Not the jabbed. Not the people who are going to get ill. Not them. Not the ones with the poison coursing through their veins. They won't be to blame. We're going to blame the unjabbed. It's right there. It's right there. It's coming. (laughs) I'm telling you. It's uh, it's frightening. It's frightening how how blatant they are with their own story and covering as many bases as they are. Again, they're, they're telling you what the plan is. And they're just telling you who they're going to blame. And it's awful. It's absolutely awful. Now, here's another quick audio clip that I wanted to play. And this, again, comes from Dr. Hodkinson. Uh, you've heard his voice before on this podcast Cambridge University in the UK, um, certified general pathologist, et cetera, et cetera. He's, uh, the, he's, a, he's a brave man. He's a hero to say the least. He's been screaming and shouting this for quite some time. He's roaming around the streets of, of Canada and uh, with a microphone and a speaker, and he's educating people, and he's and he's shouting as to what's going on. So here's a more recent clip of him doing so.
1: How can you form an opinion if you're being denied the facts and simply being fed the hearsay? The PCR test, I'm talking as a pathologist now. I know a bit about PCR. The PCR test creates over 95% false positives in perfectly well people. And it's that that drives the graphs in the morning paper where the false positives are called cases, which are no such thing. They're as well as you lot. The second driver of fear is the brutal silencing of the truth from the three sources that you would normally rely upon to form your own independent judgment. The media, the mainstream media, they're lying to you as well every single night on the television. Social media is suppressing the truth. It can only get out under alternative media. And how many people listen to that? No, you're being lied to and you're being denied the truth. And I'll include in that group physicians, particularly MDs, who by their cowardly silence have decided to put income ahead of ethics the ethics the ethics we physicians are supposed to hold dear first do no harm and inform consent both being trampled on by our government Fear, in turn, has been the excuse for politicians and the unelected minions underneath them to enforce ridiculously arbitrary mandates that have no consensus for any effectiveness in the medical literature. Do I have to repeat that? No evidence for effectiveness. None! None! None!
0: Now, just to review very quickly, you may recall, I want to say roughly a month ago, I brought up on this podcast that I watched a bit shoot video. I may have even played the audio. I'm not entirely sure, but it was a nurse and she was describing the PCR test. And she said, we've been told to not say this, but we were told that the PCR test is being recalled completely. This was over a month ago. She said, the hospitals know it's completely false. The administrators know that it's completely false. It was a giant money scheme because again, for every single test that a person took, they would receive tons of money. If it was a positive test, again, it wasn't testing for anything that they actually had. If it was a negative test, so what? If they were administering the test itself, they were receiving money. Now, having said that, I'm still in Texas and I was driving to a, re- we were driving to a restaurant just the other day and there was a line of cars, at least 20 of them plus, plus. and the line of cars was stopped and we're staring at it and we're saying to ourselves, what is this? What's going on? And then we look at the very front of the line and it's a giant PCR test line of people just getting in line. To take these tests. It was absolutely absurd. It just shows how many people still don't know what's going on. I mean, they have no idea. And the line, I might add, wrapped around this parking lot and was out into the street. We, were, we had to drive around the cars in the middle of the road just to avoid the line so that we could keep going to this restaurant. It was bizarre. In the middle of the day. And then, of course, there was a giant truck there, and it said, free tests. Why? 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 Why would a person ever get tested for something they don't have? When, Whenever in the history of humanity has a person ever been tested for something or walked around thinking they might have something, but they just want to make sure and get tested? Again, I understand that, unfortunately, these job requirements are are, are asking people to get these these tests, but they're fraudulent. And now it's been proven that that is in fact the case. In fact, this comes directly from Sydney Powell's telegram. And she forwarded it from the right side with Doug Billings. And it says this, The FDA announced today that the CDC PCR test for COVID-19 has failed its full review. Its emergency use authorization has been revoked. It is a class one recall, the most serious type of recall. Too many false positives. This is the test that started the quote-unquote pandemic. The test used in all the nursing homes in Washington and New York. This was the only test in use until May of 2020. The vaccine causes the Delta variant. This is the single most horrific crime against humanity since the dawn of mankind. I couldn't agree more. And there's a much longer post here that I want to read. And again, this is forwarded from Dr. Naomi Wolf. Again, on Sydney Powell's telegram, it says this, quote, "Covid vaccine from Pfizer destroys every system of the human body." I'm going to end with this. And again, this is this is horrific. Uh, it says this, quote, the israeli police people committee the ipc a citizen led group of israeli health experts has issued an urgent warning for the wuhan coronavirus covid-19 vaccine from pfizer damages virtually every system in the human body while much of the attention at least in europe has centered around the astrazeneca jab which is likely a deadly which is linked to deadly blood clots the pfizer injection is actually far more dangerous and a much bigger threat based on the latest data a detailed report released by the IPC warns that getting jabbed with a Pfizer syringe could lead to a catastrophic health outcome as evidenced by the high number of people who have already had their lives ruined by it in Israel. Quote, there has never been a vaccine that has harmed as many people, the report explains. We received 288 death reports and approximately to vaccination 90% up to 10 days after the vaccination, 64% of those were men. The Israeli Ministry of Health, meanwhile, is claiming that only 45 people in Israel have died from the Pfizer injection. This is a gross undercount that minimizes the true deadly impact of the jabs. If the figures contained in the IPC report are valid, then more Israelis have died from the Pfizer shot than have Europeans from the AstraZeneca shot throughout the entirety of Europe. Quote, according to Central Bureau of Statistics data during January and February 2021, at the peak of Israeli mass vaccination campaign, there was a 22% increase in overall mortality in, compared, in Israel compared to the previous year, the report further warns. Quote, in fact, January to February 2021, have been the deadliest months in the last decade with the highest overall mortality rates compared to corresponding months in the last 10 years. And then there's this last section and it says this. Uh, It's titled, Younger People Are Dying Most from the Pfizer Jab. It says, quote, The most effective demographic seems to be younger people between the ages of 20 and 29, which saw the most dramatic increase in mortality post-release of the Pfizer vaccine. In this age group, we detect an increase of 32% in overall mortality in comparison with previous year, the report states. Statistical analysis of information from the Central Bureau of Statistics combined with information from the Ministry of Health leads to the conclusion that the mortality rate amongst the vaccinated is estimated at about 5,000 or one for every 5,000, one for every 13,000 ages 20 to 49, and one for every 6,000 at ages 50 to 69, and then one for every 1,600 at ages 70 and up, if I'm reading all that correctly. Based on the data, the IPC estimates that as many as 1,100 Israelis have died thus far from the Pfizer injection. Older people die the soonest, usually less than three days post-injection, while younger people typically live for more than a week post-injection before passing away. The IPC further found that the risk of mortality goes parabolic after the second injection. Those who stop with the first shot have a much greater chance of living than if they go for the second round. As for the injuries caused by the injections, the IPC found that cardiac events such as myositis and pericarditis are common. The same goes for massive vaginal bleeding, neurological damage, and damage to the skeletal and skin systems. Quote It should be noted that a significant number of reports of side effects are related directly or indirectly to hypo, I'm sorry, hypercoagulability or infraction, myocardial, oh gosh, medical words, myocardial infraction. There we go. Stroke, miscarriages, impaired blood flow to the limbs, pulmonary embolism, the group contends. The full report from the IPC is available for viewing at this link. These mRNA vaccines contain a virus which then attaches to the RNA, the messenger for the man's DNA, which can never be undone. Warned one commenter at Great Game India. This means that the RNA messenger will always carry a virus, the very one they inject into your body, unquote. See, it continues to prove this point, I think, that the only way you get a virus into your body is if you inject it into your body directly. This business of viruses just traveling around in the air is a hoax. It has to be a 100% hoax. I'm not saying that a person can't cough or sneeze bacteria on you, for example. That can happen, and that can trigger an immune response. But doing it with a virus? I don't think so. I just don't think so. So one final note here regarding K-12 schools, because again, they're going to start reopening here in the next week or so, if they aren't already. Um, Right now, whether we're hearing about it or not, And this is something, again, that I'm going to start digging for and I'm going to start listening for and and looking for. And again, if you listen to this podcast and you're aware of this happening, please reach out to me so that I can put it on this podcast and get it out to as many people as possible. But it has to do with the professional development, quote unquote, that's actually occurring. Um, And it usually occurs during the first week back for teachers. And then that following week is when students will return. The quote-unquote professional development that's occurring in K twelve schools right now. Again, when teachers return, if it's related to this COVID stuff and this coronavirus nonsense, um, that that's a big, big problem, and and we need to bring that up here on this podcast. You know, direct examples of their COVID policies, and again, you know, I'm using the word COVID, you know, jokingly here because that's not what it means. But their coronavirus policies, their SARS-CoV-2 policies, whatever those are, um, I think I think that's the next that's the next base that has to be covered here. It's one of those moments in time in a in a K-12 school year that's remarkably important, and it's unfortunately too where some of the most time is completely wasted. Uh, you know, in the past, in these professional development things, which I've commented on in the past you know, they'll have teach, I mean, it's very humiliating. They'll have teachers sitting around desks and do team building exercises and give them chewing gum and and popsicle sticks and say, build a tower. That was an actual thing once that, uh, that was pushed on, pushed on us when I was a school teacher and I refused to participate. I just thought that it was remarkably insulting and, uh, I had work to do. But the point is, is that during these quote unquote Quote unquote professional development weeks, they're, they're really going to be pushing these policies hard. And I bet this time around, I'd be willing to, uh, willing to bet this. If there are still teachers who are ethical and know that this has all been child abuse and they're still sticking around, I bet they're going to be pushing back. I would encourage those teachers to get some footage of these professional development meetings. And uh, these draconian rules that many schools are, are placing on people, and get that video on your cell phone, upload it online, hell, send it to me. I'll play the audio. At the very least, I can play the audio. Um, and if you've got an actual video you want to send me, I'll put it up on Gab. But it's that kind of stuff. It has to get out because again, this is one of those. It's one of those short moments in time here in a K twelve school year where some very interesting things are going to be happening in the next one to two to three weeks. And again, it's usually during the quote unquote professional development week that teachers experience because this is where the new rules get rolled out. This is where all the new policies get rolled out. And and it's usually a giant surprise for every single school teacher who has to sit through these ridiculous meetings that take place. It's almost always a surprise for them um, it's, it's pounced on them in an instant and then they have to digest it in a short amount of time and then rationalize it in their own head and then shift those rules onto their students. I, I mean, you know that they're going to be abusive tactics that are being played here. Cause like I said, in the last episode and countless episodes, that card has been played. The child abuse card has already been played. So again, if you're, if you're around a K-12 school or you're friends with a teacher or a nurse or a, or a school staff member who, who is fully awake and knows what's going on, see if they can't get uh, some kind of a write-up or a description of what's going on within these quote-unquote professional development meetings. Because like I also said in the past, these schools have been hiding their coronavirus policies. Some of them have them right on the front page of their websites. Some of them are waiting for this professional development, uh, this profession, professional development week, to roll those to roll those policies out. So again, that's that's the next base that has to be covered, and that's the next uh, sort of lightning in a bottle that has to be captured here. Because again, when the fall rolls around, it's not going to get better. It's only, it's only going to get worse, and I, again, I've written about the fluidity of, of these coronavirus policies, and they're fluid on purpose because it's all going to cave in real quick. So until then, hopefully I'll catch you on Friday, and uh, yeah, there you go. Continue to have a great week. I hope you do. Talk to you then. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information.